0: Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here today with Chad Lauterbach. He's the CEO and founder of B Structure Technology Group, a managed service provider in downtown LA. Chad, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate welcome. it.
1: Excited to have you. So, Chad, why don't you start and tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Sure. Yeah. I grew up in uh, in Arizona, always had an interest in technology, gadgets. Uh, I got into computing fairly early. Um, full disclosure, I'm 43. I was born in 1980. So, like, it was the very beginning of, like, the personal computer revolution, right? So, um, I worked on, I messed around with everything from like an Atari to a Commodore computer, a Commodore PET computer. Uh, My dad had an IBM XT for work. You know, eventually we got a 3.6 and then like the, the big moment where I had like my own machine was I got a Pentium 120, if anybody knows what that is, like way back in the day running Windows NT4 so but i you know it had always been kind of uh interest for me and computers has always been an interest for me uh but i never really got into coding i really got into kind of making them do business applications for people that kind of thing and so uh yeah i mean besides that you know i i was a runner uh still am a runner uh hiker camper rock climber and kind of outdoorsy guy besides that and uh yeah
1: that's so. true. that's great well no i appreciate the background that lays a great context for kind of who you are um so why don't you tell me a little bit about be structured and how you how you found it be structured
0: yeah so uh i i feel really lucky i got um in high school even before i could drive i was 15 years old you know all my friends are working at like taco bell or whatever well uh i got this gig at mayo clinic which is obviously a famous outpatient clinic in Arizona. The, the The main ones, I think, in Illinois, but it's one of their other clinics. And uh, it was a third party, but they were doing a a huge network overhaul. It was one of Microsoft's first very, very large NT4 rollouts in the commercial space. So um, obviously, I was doing much lower level tasks than I do today. I was installing printers and computers and monitors and whatever, but... I got the opportunity to do like some printer share editions and interface with NTFS or I'm sorry, NT uh, professionals uh, back in the day, you know, MCSEs. And um, they really taught. They were really cool. They just taught me a lot. They're really open in conversation and everything like that. Um, I worked for them for three years during high school. Um, all my friends were jealous cause I was making a whopping, like, I think like $19 an hour versus like, you know, they're making like minimum wage at Taco Bell. So <laughs> they think I'm rich or whatever, which is kind of funny, but, um, uh, yeah. So, you know, I had an I had an early interest. I did some consulting on the side for some of my friends' companies and things like that. You know, it, in hindsight, you know, I probably was a little bit over my head in all of these roles, but. I guess in some ways, aren't we always when we're like in our teens and 20s, like trying to figure out what to do professionally. So um, I decided that it would be worthwhile for me to go full time for a little bit at an organization before just completely branching out on my own. I had been doing some contract work, but I, uh, I got the opportunity. One of my friends' fathers was building a logistics company out here in Los Angeles, which is how I ended up out here. And, uh, I helped, uh, build that business essentially from, I don't even know what we started with 20 people, maybe to two to or so. And they're like a thousand people today. They're a big company. So, um, that was really cool and exciting. I also got the chance to work for another logistics company in Chicago. Uh, so I've got a, I've got a kind of deep logistics background, um, in that sense, and then, yeah, just, I, you know, I kind of reached a point after, I think it was like three or four years I was working full-time where I was like, okay, I've gained a lot of skills, uh, I've made some mistakes, I've done some good things, but I've learned a lot and I feel like I'm ready to kind of go out on my own. For me, initially, that looked like just independent consulting for a couple of years. Then I started to be structured and it was really... For, it was really initially just an IT support company, so I was supporting firms as a, on a time and materials basis, but fairly quickly realized after do, reading a lot of industry publications and things like that, people were moving into the fixed fee outsourced managed service space. So I figured out how to migrate, be structured over to that model pretty quickly, moved a lot of my clients over, and then slowly but surely started to build a business, so...
1: That's fantastic. So, you know, you mentioned talking about starting be structured with just doing mm-hmm. that it that it support. Talk to me about that growth and what that looks like going from you know where where it was just it support to now you know a full managed service provider.
0: Yeah, I mean that's been a that's been a, a journey, a marathon, not a sprint, if you will. So, you know, initially we 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 did uh, fixed fee support. We did it on a per device basis now we do things on a per user basis Uh, the offering by today's standards would have been really limited right it was like patch management and antivirus and a couple other things right Uh, nowadays we're offering just a slew of security products monitoring products all this really advanced stuff that you know are becoming more and more important for our clients But um, yeah, and then eventually we moved to charging per user and then eventually became a a managed security service provider, MSSP, and adding security services on top of that. So things, it'll be a little bit alphabet soupy, but like SIM, EDR, you know, all these other um, uh, application allow and deny listing, et cetera. Just all these other services that really do a lot to protect our clients. They do have additional costs, though, so... You know we've been gaining There's, but there's been a lot of traction there our clients want those products so you know the last two years we've uh, quite quadrupled our security service revenue um just because our clients are looking for that so and it just keeps going you know like uh just today is the first day february 1st where google and yahoo and microsoft are uh looking at DMARC records for for outbound email I mean, we have a bunch of clients contacting us about setting up DMARC records and charging them for easy. DMARC is the solution we're using. And so, you know, we're constantly having to find and build new solutions for our clients as the environment changes. So it's been really dynamic. Um, You know, there was kind of an initial switch to hourly to per device. But then the switches from then on have been very organic and changing almost annually over these years. So... (laughs)
1: You know, when you were talking, I was thinking to myself, it sounds like one of the ways that you're able to differentiate yourself as a company and, you know, as a CEO and founder is being nimble and dynamic to hear what your clients are looking for, to be able to say, you know, let's add on these different security, like you said, starting where you did, moving up now to talking about DMARC, you know, it sounds like you're listening to what your clients are saying and able to adjust and grow on behalf of that
0: yeah yeah it actually i would say goes both ways in my industry ironically because we we do listen to the customers requirements and needs obviously uh but we also have to educate our clients which i I think happens in many industries but our industry especially especially the way we do our industry you know we're not talking to a cto cio kind of person right we're talking to a cfo COO, ceo that Probably has fairly limited IT knowledge, so we have to educate them. I mean, I literally was just doing this with the client the other day. I have to educate them on what is SPF, what is DKIM, what is DMARC, right? And uh, the, I mean, the audience probably doesn't even know what those are. But the point is, like, you know, I have to educate them on what it is and why they need it, and then they're like, oh, okay, I'll spend whatever, a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks a month or whatever it is, uh, to get those services put in place. Um, and so there's an aspect of educating the client too. And some work once like, no, I don't want that. And that's okay. We just get in writing like they decline these services. And then if it comes back, you know, unfortunately, having been in IT for long enough, we've had a few ransomwares. We've had a few phishing attacks that were successful. Um, and, you know, that's been a... That's been an unfortunate, it's not the way I want to sell products, but it's been an unfortunate way we have sold products where we go, hey, would you like to get our anti-phishing tools now? Or, hey, would you like to get our application allowed deny listing in EDR software now? And uh, they're like, yeah, I, I mean, I guess we do versus spending $50,000 on a ransomware, right? So,
1: Do you find a lot of the, the work that you do is preventative more so than kind of crisis management?
0: that is the goal of an msp um you know the the reality of our industry is we we do a really good job and the reality also is that we th- no industry or company is perfect, right? So there's always going to be some weak and vulnerable points inside of an organization. Uh, some of them are by company choice, right? Where the CEO is like, I want a simple password. I don't want to use two factor authentication. It's like, you have literally the most important, okay, you know, okay, like, what, what am I, I have it in writing. Like, what am I going to do? Uh, but, um, And I, you know, obviously we, we do what they, what they ask, but it it can be challenging. You know, I think the the goal obviously is to be as preventative as possible, but there's some things you just can't predict, you know, uh, zero day flaws that come out, uh, people's credentials getting dropped on the dark web, uh, a successful social engineering, which, you know, kind of falls in the IT realm these days, but, you know, is really not totally um you know it can it can involve email which i think is why or, or the phone system which often is run by us too but you know uh yeah, so there's there's a lot it ultimately the, the answer to your question is yes it's proactive and preventative to the extent that it can be but i don't even know three four times a year there's always an emergency that we're dealing with too and and we we try our hardest to minimize those because they're costly for us as well mm-hmm. so as the client
1: what would you say one of the biggest misconceptions, maybe not about, you know, being an MSP, maybe not about entrepreneurship in general or be structured. Is there anything that you tend to hear often from your clients that you're like, that's just not the case or anything like that?
0: Probably probably the biggest thing today goes back to cybersecurity. I mean, our most of our, not all of our, but most of our clients have a fairly small footprint, right? They're a f- 30 person law firm they're a you know 25 person wealth management company and they just think they're flying below the radar but they're not the you know the hacking groups that are out there are really just looking to make money they don't care about your business and they know that you're going to be an easier target than say 20th century fox or something or the nsa right so they may they may very well be reasons that north korea is trying to hack the nsa but like you know your average You know joe schmo hacker is going to be looking for easy targets so you know i i i use the kind of joke you know i live in los angeles so it's like you know if you don't leave anything visible in your car when you park it on the street right so it's like i'm like okay like would you do you want to be the car where that's locked and you can't see anything or do you want to be the car that's got like a thousand dollars sitting on the passenger seat that's unlocked right or even if it is locked they're going to break the window right it's like it's, you know, you want to have the measure where somebody else is much easier to target than you. And so it doesn't have to be implementing every security system that we have, but implementing a baseline of security, which for us these days is two-factor authentication, EDR, which is essentially kind of the next generation of antivirus, and application allowed deny listing. To us, those are kind of like the minimum. Do all of our clients use those? No. Do I wish they did? Yeah, absolutely. Like... Those things make it hard enough that I think anybody that actually got into the environment would be like I'm this is this is more complicated than I want to deal with I'm going to go find an easier target.
1: I think that's great and you know like you said it, there it's not necessarily about targeting the the biggest but you know sometimes hackers it sounds like i'm not i'm not a hacker myself um but it sounds like sometimes going for those like small to medium-sized companies is that that may have those lower level of security features is kind of where they make their money so that's interesting um kind of pivoting yeah. a little bit chad i'm curious to get your opinion um are there any specific i don't know technologies or trends i know you talked a little bit about DMARC a second mm-hmm. ago that you believe are gonna play a crucial role in the growth of MSPs and really the tech industry in the future?
0: Well, there's a lot of questions right now. That's interesting. I, I mean, I think the cloud has been transformative and it's, but it also is taking a lot of time to get adopted by smaller businesses because of the cost. You know, a lot of our clients would prefer to have a 20, 30, $50,000 outlay of cash for five years Versus spending $8,000 a month, right? I mean, you do the math, it costs a lot more over five years. So, um, but I I think the cloud is becoming more and more accessible to small businesses. We've been moving more and more clients over, and I think it will be. Um, I think the most interesting thing going on is what's going on with generative AI and not, you know, obviously, there's a lot of interesting uses use cases for it um you know just chatting with it for fun getting answers writing articles all this other kind of stuff but what i think a lot of people don't really fully realize is it can write computer code and what that means is uh hacking groups now can use things like chat gpt to write intentionally malicious code and attempt to get it to execute and they can just iterate and do this so much more rapidly than they could before. Because, you know, writing code takes time, just like writing an article takes time. Well, if you can have the computer write 90% of the code and do a little bit of editing, it's going to make it dramatically faster for you to continue to iterate and move. So, you know, just like we're seeing all these other AI companies, uh, right for me.io included, I.O. included, um, you know, popping up all around the generative AI space, I, I think we're going to see... Hacking groups figuring out how to utilize this to hack more rapidly and with more faster iteration on the tools they're using. And I think that's just going to cause even more requirements for more security than we have today.
1: Yeah, I don't think like a hacker necessarily. I'm not in not in your not in your world or your industry, but that makes a lot of sense. You know, I use ChatGPT all the time, like you said, for fun, for for work, and whatnot. So you know, it's interesting to to think about it in being used in a malicious way. Um, to mm-hmm. No, not not for good or not for educational purposes but no i appreciate that insight well you know chad i think this has been a very informative conversation as we start to wrap up is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with whether it be advice anything about be structured being an msp anything that you want to leave our listeners with
0: um yeah so you know be structured specifically obviously if you're uh If you're a company in LA, we focus on the business-to-business space, so we're not doing business-to-consumer. So if you're a restaurant or hotel or whatever, there are MSBs specifically dialed into what you do. Uh, But yeah, if you're a business-to-business organization, could be shipping, could be manufacturing, could be anything like that. um, You know, definitely consider giving us a call. We're 100% LA-based, which makes us pretty unique. Um, We're available to come out. And meet and happy to chat with you about your solution that you have in place today. We found more and more that people just aren't happy with their MSPs. We, you know, it's been that's been a big change. Is fifteen years ago people hadn't even heard of what an MSP was, and they had in-house IT and were debating what to do. And now it's all uh, we're competing against incumbent MSPs that they're unhappy with. So uh, the goal for us has really been to keep clients and keep clients happy. So. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, just, like, advice if I could give, like, advice I give my mom, right, is, like, so if I can give some advice just to people that are listening that aren't maybe looking to get into the MSP space or looking to find an MSP, uh, the 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 two best things you can do to keep yourself secure are, number one, keep all your stuff updated. So, whether it's Android, iOS, Windows, Mac, just run those updates. Um Because known vulnerabilities are what those are patching. And those are super dangerous because the hackers already know what they are. So it's just keep that stuff up to date. And then, number two, use a password manager. Don't reuse passwords. Use a password manager. Create complex passwords that are unique for every site. If you're unwilling to do it everywhere, at least do it on the really important stuff. So, and that doesn't mean that's not necessarily exactly what you think. I mean, yes, banking, yes, email but also think about the other services that allow you to sign in as, so that includes like social media accounts, uh, you know, Google, Microsoft, Apple, et cetera. Like those those logins are all super, super, super important. So making sure that they're different and unique and when possible have two-factor authentication of, you know enabled. Again, it kind of goes back to the company. Like so many people don't do that. They're using garbage passwords and they're using the same password across every service. They're so easy to target for the hacker whereas if a hacker finds oh I got into this one thing but oh the passwords and emails for everything are you know all different across other stuff uh, you're gonna be a difficult a difficult uh, target and they're probably just going to move on so
1: I think those are two great pieces of, of advice that I think all our listeners can benefit from whether or not you're in the MSP or you're the tech industry so Chad, I really appreciate our conversation today I think it was really insightful you know I appreciate you sharing all your knowledge and being on business ninjas today.
0: Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Hey, are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io writeform dot I-O and schedule a time to meet with us and we'll make it happen. Keep slaying it, y'all.